Welcome, welcome to CBS Mornings on this Tuesday. I'm Gail King. I'm Tony DeCopel. I'm Nate Burleson. Ahead on today's CBS Mornings on the go, we'll have an eye-opening investigation to our nation's crumbling schools. Many of us already know about the difficult situations facing children in poor and minority districts, but the situation is even worse than you think. Our CBS News and its stations look into why more money is going into wealthier and white districts. Plus, a developing crisis in New Orleans, Omar Villafrancas heads down south to find out why millions of people there could soon be without fresh drinking water. Very scary stuff. And CBS hit show Survivor. Have you seen it? Yeah, you have. It's kicking off its 45th season tomorrow night. So host Jeff Probst joins us in studio to talk about the show's amazing run, which, by the way, he's been a part of since the very beginning. That's 23 years. You go, Jeff. All that and more after these messages. Hey, hey, Prime members, talking to you. You can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. It's getting later into the fall here, and we might be looking at another COVID surge in the not-so-distant future. The federal government is once again offering free home test kits to Americans. And for more on this, we are joined by CBS News medical contributor Dr. Celine Gounder, who is also editor-at-large for public health at KFF. Dr. Gounder, thank you very much for being here. So free COVID tests once again. Why now? So as of yesterday, uh, covidtest.gov is up and running again. The government wants to make sure everybody, every household has tests on hand ahead of the holidays because you have people of different generations who are uh, coming together, close together over the holidays. So it's a risk for grandma, grandpa. We just want to make sure that people know if they have COVID and might be infectious to others. A lot of us have those tests stockpiled and some of them have expired. Does that still work? Sometimes with food, sometimes with medication, even though it's expired, you can still eat it or it's <laughs> right. effective. So the right. FDA has extended <laughs> expiration dates on the tests. Uh, there's actually information about this on the cbsmornings.com website. You can look up your specific brand mm-hmm. and see if yours is still valid. Mm-hmm. All right, so some people are having trouble with the updated COVID-19 vaccine um, being approved by their insurance. What's going on there? So you've had a transition from the U.S. government providing the COVID vaccine to now business as usual, which means the private sector. Um, And so there have been a number of glitches with insurance billing codes, shipping of vaccines, which has led to a lot of problems. If you have private insurance, whether it's private, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, you should have your free vaccine, uh, no cost to you. It's covered by insurance since September 11th. But because of these glitches, there have been some issues. You Mm. may want to wait until early to mid-October just for these things to get ironed out. If you do get your vaccine now, 
Uh, you may need to resubmit or appeal a denial, but you should get it for free. Yeah, I heard you say that I know we can look it up, but if we don't feel like looking it up, is there a certain time, if it's two weeks late, if it, that the expired tests work? Mm. A month late, two months late, do you happen to know? Yeah, I mean, two weeks, a month later is not an issue, um, but you really don't want to be using it way beyond the extended expiration dates. Yeah. But that milk and that old bag of chips, they're still good. Go <laughs> no, for it. It's not going to hurt you. not going to no. hurt you. Not gonna I believe good. in healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Sling Gatter, thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. For more tips on how to get the updated COVID vaccine for free and on information on COVID test expiration dates, go to our cbsmornings.com website, cbsmornings.com. Public education is supposed to be equal in this country, a ruling that goes all the way back to the Supreme Court, 1954, Brown versus Board of Education. But nearly 70 years later, here we are, and many schools still fall short. And most of those schools are in cities or areas where people of color make up the majority. An investigation by CBS News and CBS stations found that one reason for this is, well, many states give more money to wealthier majority white school districts to improve their school buildings. CBS station's national investigative correspondent Stephen Stock looks at the funding gap and one state's effort to fix it. But it's cold. So how can I focus? Can you please talk to the school to fix the toilets and to fix the building? Those are the words of children who spend long days inside Baltimore's aging city schools. They're not fixing our school buildings, but they will fix white people's school buildings. Dr. Richard Lofton reads student testimonials he gathered as part of his research project documenting the impact of crumbling campuses. So you're saying the second floor is hotter than this floor? Like Baltimore's Franklin High. Wow. And I hope the people who are making decisions about education actually come into these schools and walk around and see what we've we seen. So I have to tell you, when I walk down this, I feel like I'm in a prison. I know, right? Doesn't it? Why would your kids want to come here when you, it looks like you're in a prison? Baltimore City Schools Facilities Director Cindy Smith gave us a tour of Franklin High. No AC, you can feel it. So this is a floor that's actually collapsing. Look along the wall, you can see it's, it's dropped two, maybe even three inches. This, folks, is an actual lab for high school students. People attend lab in this classroom. So we have a typical classroom, tack boards that are a mess, casework that needs to be replaced. Why can't the school district do better? Because we don't have enough money for it. Across the country, our CBS stations found deteriorating schools in high poverty districts. In Colorado, rotting windows and damaged ceilings are part of that state's $17 billion need for repairs. In Florida, walkways riddled with leaks, exposed rusty nails. And outside Los Angeles, a water polo team practices in a decaying 70-year-old pool. So this is impacting your grades? Yes. And your future? Yes. Schools in high-poverty communities have less to spend from local property taxes. Our analysis found they invested on average 40% less in buildings than districts with low poverty. We also discovered many state governments make the disparity worse, putting more money towards booming districts that can be less diverse. Federal data shows that on average, these states give majority white school districts almost four times more money for capital investments than majority black districts. For decades, Baltimore has 
been disinvested. There have not been the same levels of investment in a city that is majority black than in the rest of the state. Johns Hopkins public health professor Josh Sharfstein says the funding inequity stems from generations of racial discrimination. The consequences of that are physically manifest in school buildings. Maryland recognized that. Now, it's targeting funding to schools most in need. We are investing in a more equitable system across the state of Maryland than almost any other state in the country. Lawmakers did that by targeting $400 million for building and repairing schools in lower income and minority school districts, paid for in part by taking excess property taxes from wealthier districts and giving it to poorer districts and by a sales tax on digital products like streaming and music. Absolutely, Maryland has to do more, and we will, and we, we have, and we will. The plan that we've put forward is the next 10 years. Their 10-year plan won't come in time for the kids at Franklin High. You can't even drink the water there. Wait, wait, that yep. just blows my mind. I know, right? Many of our pipes are so deteriorated that they just lead flows through that water, so that water is not drinkable. So you can't drink the water. You cannot drink the water. For CBS Mornings, I'm investigative correspondent Stephen Stock, Baltimore. So he leaves us with a very jaw-dropping detail there. I mean, you've just got to figure out a way to do better. And when you're in an environment that makes you feel good, I, I actually think you pay attention, you learn better. Yeah. And it makes you angry when you see the disparity of what's happening in the schools. You're, you're absolutely right country. about the quality of the facilities. Yes, they, matters. They, they do have an impact on how you feel walking in. And there's all kinds of studies showing that if you have a you know new uniforms help teams play better. Yes. Yeah. New school facilities can make people learn better. And and to that point, on the flip side, is how you are seen by the outside world is how you end up seeing yourself. So if you're a kid that's grown up in these schools, elementary, middle school, to high school, and you don't know any better, the rest of your life could be affected by that perspective. Yeah, Plus, it continues to hollow out public education because people look at those schools, they think, well, if they can get their kid out of it, they do, and then fewer and fewer kids enroll. They become further segregated in many cases, and they, they continue to decline. Mm -hmm. It's a major cycle of, of trouble. We have to do better, that's for sure. Louisiana faces a potential drinking water crisis. Millions of people there get their fresh water from the Mississippi River. But the summer drought sharply lowered the river's water level, and now that threatens to allow salt water from the Gulf of Mexico to contaminate the drinking water supply. Not good. Omar Villafranca is in New Orleans, where the threat is the highest. Omar, good morning to you. What can you tell us? Well, good morning. You may be wondering why saltwater contamination is such a big deal down here. Here's the short answer. Basically, the local facilities can't treat water with a high salt content. It's corrosive to the pipes, and then metal starts leaching into the water, and then that makes the drinking water bad. But the Army Corps of Engineers has been working since July to prevent that from happening. In the southernmost stretch of the Mississippi River, trouble is brewing. Is it panic mode yet, or is it just preparation time? We're in the preparedness and awareness. What we want to make sure is everybody knows uh, what we're facing. What they're facing is something called a saltwater wedge. Extremely dry conditions along the Mississippi River have dropped freshwater levels and currents to historic lows, threatening water treatment facilities along the river. The only thing that will fix the saltwater intrusion problem is rain. We need to get more water in the river. The Army Corps of Engineers says the saltwater has so far moved about 70 miles up the river from the Gulf of Mexico and is predicted to hit Bell Chase in southern New Orleans by the middle of next month. How is the saltwater able to push through the freshwater? So the saltwater is very dense 
and it crawls along the bottom of the river. So when there's not enough flow from the Mississippi River, the Mississippi River will go over it. It'll go on the top, and the salt water will continue to climb along the bottom of the river. In July, the Corps constructed an underwater sill, or levee, meant to block the flow of salt water. But the sill was overtopped last week. Engineers are working to increase its height by 25 feet. But that is not expected to hold back the salt water for long. In New Orleans, bottled water has turned into a hot commodity, with some store shelves nearly empty. I've been out since early this morning. Nothing on the store shelves. Don't know when they're going to get anything in. Further south in Plaquemines Parish, there have been drinking water advisories in place since June. There is not one thing that's going to solve this challenge for us. It's going to be a, a combination of lots of different efforts. That could include transporting tens of millions of gallons of fresh water daily to nearby water treatment plants to dilute the salty water. How basic is water back in the kitchen? Well, obviously, it's important in the kitchen. Stocks, soups, dishwashing. I mean, we use a lot of water. But Donald Link, who co-owns seven restaurants in New Orleans, including Cochon, isn't panicking. He says after numerous devastating hurricanes, the BP oil spill, and COVID, people here are used to adversity. You just go right into planning mode. So what is your planning mode right now? Well, the planning mode right now is that, you know, we've, I've had the conversations and it seems to me like we have time. So we start looking at sourcing if we need to buy bottled water. Um, I'm hoping we never get to that point. Local and state officials are also planning some just-in-case solutions, one of them being tapping into water farther upstream and even bringing water down the Mississippi by barge, millions of gallons by barge. And they're doing this because there is not any major rain in the forecast in the upper parts of the Mississippi River. More from this episode of CBS Mornings after this short break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The winner of the first Survivor competition is Rich. Congratulations, Rich. Congratulations. We all remember Rich. That's an iconic moment in reality TV history right there from season one, the finale of the hit CBS show Survivor. It has aired, listen to this, more than 23 years ago. And wow. guess what? It's still going strong, returning for a milestone 45th season tomorrow night. And guess who's been at the top the whole time? Jeff Probst. He has been Survivor's host since the show's debut in May of 2000. Ooh. That is hard to do. You are the real Survivor. Only on, yeah, you are the real Survivor. <laughs> You're right, Tony. Only on CBS Mornings. Here's a preview of tomorrow's season premiere. This one's set in Fiji. Like it. I am 
am obsessed with my tribe. I'm a Libra, and that's all about balance. And I feel like we have one of the most balanced teams. Like, our girls are all strong, and like, I see Bruce next to me. So, the vibes are just immaculate, like, for sure. All right, welcome to Survivor 45. I don't know if I've ever seen this much energy. Yes, sirree, the vibes are immaculate. And guess what? I love that phrase. Yeah. Jeff Probst joins us now. You already saw him, but he's back again. Jeff, congratulations to you, number one. Yes. Number one the host whole time. That's hard to do. When you first heard the pitch 23 years ago, I know you couldn't have thought it's going to last 23 years. No. What did you think? Well, the, when I first heard it, that I wanted to be a part of it. You really wanted it? Why, why? Because the concept still really interesting experiment you can you can lump all these shows and say they're reality shows but they're all unique and what's unique about survivor is it really is this human adventure where you're dropped in a jungle and forced to survive with people conspiring against i feel the same way yeah. 23 years later i still love it yeah there's something wrong with your mic so oh well because we're there live we tv go. thank there you uh, now i'm yeah. in my element yeah. i like this <laughs> But you didn't think, you couldn't possibly have thought it would last 23 years, but you still love it today. But I, yeah. What did you think was going to happen with this? Well, show? I will tell you, after the first season premiered, the finale, after the, the clip yeah. you just showed with Richard Hatch, which we thought was the worst thing ever because he was a villain. We yeah. thought that's the end of our show. But I was certain in my wisdom we would get at least two more seasons because <laughs> it was so popular. Um. Never dreamed it would get 10 seasons or 20, let alone 45. I've read that you feel like, as host, you've watched a demonstration of the human spirit in each season. 100%. Right? How come? What do you see? Because you go out there with the lure of the game. So we designed this game to have you adapt like this. This is what happens on yes. Survivor. Your mic doesn't work. What do you do? Well, you get another mic. Some people are quick at that. Others aren't. Mm. When it's over, what you realize, it, it wasn't about the game. It was about you. And what you went through, living in a jungle, conspiring against each other, playing detective. How's your emotional intelligence? Are you socially good? And I was saying to Gail before we started this that at the end of every season, every player goes, I cannot believe how much I changed. I'm a different human being. Wow. Yeah, and For better or worse. Yeah, for better or worse. Yeah. Almost always, that. But almost always for better because you're out there alone, no technology, no friends, stripped of everything, and you end up saying, wow, I love my wife more. I'm going to be a better mm. parent. I'm going to quit my job. You know, whatever that thing is. And, and you said that, and I, and I want to read it out loud okay. because it is pretty powerful. Nobody comes home from Survivor the same because the game forces you into situations that reveal your character, your fortitude, your drive, your inspiration, and it connects you back to the things that make you alive as a human. That's pretty good. Well, that's great. You said it. <laughs> I did. Good. <laughs> you know, what's great about that is because this day and age, we lean on so many things. Yeah. yeah. Technology, our jobs, our friends, um, but we don't lean on ourselves 100 percent. In this show, it really examines that. It, That's why it's so special. What you just said is, is it for me, which is it's amazing what you can do if you just get up off the couch and say, mm. I'll give it a go. Uh -huh. And that's what Survivor is testing you on. We were talking about the challenges. Yeah. I mean, you have these epic challenges that you can't imagine. You look at it and go, I'll never get up there. But you got people with you. They'll help you get up there. Yeah. And then when you, you get- You got it. We got it. We got it. And then when you do get up there, you go, I did it. Yes. Right. And then you go back to conspiring against the person <laughs> who just helped you. So, do you think it's changed you, Jeff? 
Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Do you think it has? I w- wonder who I would be without it. Really? Yeah. I think my wife and Survivor changed me a lot, just in terms of really understanding I'm a grain of sand in this world, I'm not yes. the center of the universe. Mm. Try to make the day better for the people you meet. Mm-hmm. And I too want to be tested. I want to put myself in unfamiliar environments to see, which is what we do creatively on the show. We take big risks. Are you more comfortable in, in these uncomfortable spaces? Because of hosting this show? I think I'm more comfortable, yes. But I'm still uncomfortable. Hmm. And that's when I know I'm alive, is when I say, why did I say yes again to this? (laughs) But then you come out and you go, I'm glad I did. So tens of thousands of people for each season, they get up off the couch and they say, I want to be part of it. Pick me next. Yeah. And one of the most enjoyable parts of being a producer on the show, in addition to host, is picking who actually becomes part of the tribes. What is the ideal candidate? Who are you looking for? It's a great question and almost impossible to answer because the answer is so simple. It really is an authentic human. You have to be compelling. Everybody thinks they are. Not yes. everybody <laughs> is. That's the thing. Everybody thinks they yeah. are, Jeff. Yeah. And I hear people say, I've applied 20 times and still haven't got on. And I say, well, it might be you. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. But you're looking for somebody who has the drive to say, I'm going to go out here and play this game. And I'm able to tell the story because one of the weird secrets of Survivor is the players are responsible for the storytelling. Yeah, right. yeah. We, we put a camera in front of them and we say, tell us what's happening. What are you thinking? What do you want to do? What are you going to do? What yeah. was done to you? Mm. So you have to be able to sort of engage, you know, with the camera. These contestants, they, they fall into these roles, right? And, and they have titles that hang over their heads yeah. all season long. You know us. Oh, no. Just, 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 just would, go ahead and, and oh. the whole conversation. Give us, give us a title. Uh, you know, what would you think we would be on the show? Oh, man. Well, okay. You've got Gail, who, even if she wasn't Gail, she's going to be the one everybody's looking at first because mm. she kind of has this presence. Yeah. That's a tough thing on Survivor because yeah. Gail could win, which therefore means Gail might be first out because you, you two look athletic, at her. And, don't you think the most athletic wins? No. No, no, no it's no. all about diplomacy, Gail. It's, you gotta make, you've got to make social. friends. It's and, about social? Yeah. Then I would win that. That's what I mean. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I, you, no, you might talk no, yourself out of the no, position. No, no, no. I, I actually don't think I could win it. I don't. <laughs> I actually don't think I could. What about Tony? What do you think, Tony? Because I couldn't backstab somebody. A lot. There's a lot of backstabbing. Sometimes <laughs> well, the, the money's fact, on the line. The fact that you just over here, he'd be. I'd be front stabbing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's funny though. Even when you just said, "What about Tony?" Tony goes, "No, no, no. Like I don't want to talk about me, or I'm going to deflect." Yes, that's exactly okay, right. Okay, so socially, if we're out there together and yeah. I'm relying on you, I'm looking. I'm saying, Tony, man, he's like giving me the Heisman. He, that's I'm strategy. Not, I'm not falling for that. <laughs> I'm here to, I don't need to be the star. I want my team to win. Yeah, you're yes, dead. Yes, I would want yeah. <laughs> You're gone, no, too. Gone. I'm that. gone at the front stab. No, I, I would want the, the team. The stomach front stab. He's I gone. agree with uh, you, Tony. And I'm, Nate, and Nate. Well, Nate is clearly the one who's going to be moving the things behind the scenes, for yes. sure. I yes, mean, yes. But that's super clear. So then the yes. question is, who gets Tony? I think you become the linchpin because these two are going to be vying for it hard. Yeah. And you're the swing vote. Yeah. So the question yeah. is, Tony, who do you vote out? That's a great question, Jeff. And we need an answer. Let's yep. get a dramatic pause here, okay? <laughs> Nate, 
All right, Nate, you're done. Oh, <laughs> which means Gail wins, no, as I, predicted. Nope, 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 nope. Good job, Gail. Nope, nope. Poke in the back right there for you. <laughs> nope, he would definitely win. Jeff, really, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations yeah. to you. Bravo, Incredible run. Still yeah. as exciting as ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's fun. not done. And, it's and not in fact, done. that's the end of the segment. We're sticking around, Jeff. You're voted off. All right, I'm out of here. See ya. Here's my mic. <laughs> 46 is coming up soon. Goodbye, Take Jeff. Easy. <laughs> nice to have you here, Jeff. You can catch the season 45 premiere of Survivor tomorrow night at 8 Eastern right here. Where, Tony? On Paramount Plus and CBS. That, of course, is dance superstar Misty Copeland in the iconic Swan Lake. In 2015, Copeland became the first African-American female principal dancer in the prestigious American Ballet Theater's 75-year history. A new book aims to inspire ballerinas of all colors, continuing to break barriers. And it's called The Color of Dance. Photographer Takia Wallace McMillian traveled across the country to showcase the diverse beauty of dance in all its shapes and hues. The book builds on a popular photo project, Brown Girls Do Ballet, that went on to become a nonprofit empowering young dancers. Takia Wallace McMillian joins us first on CBS Mornings. How are you doing? I'm excited to be here. We're well, glad you're here. Yeah, very glad. We are excited yeah. to have you. Um, so when your daughter, Charlie, yes. asked you about taking ballet, yes. um, you stumbled upon what is the lack of diversity in it. Um, how did that inspire Brown Girls Do Ballet? Absolutely. You know, as a, as a new mom at the time, one of the things that stuck out to me when I was looking for classes for her was that there were very few images of little girls that looked like her on our local dance websites. Hmm. And as a kind of a hobbyist freelance photographer at the time, I just decided as a personal project to, to take that on and try and find more dancers of color that were enrolled in ballet programs. And what started as something that was just for myself and her so that she would be able to see more of herself in this in this space mm. turned into this whole viral moment that inspired other dancers around the world. But the thing about this book, though, Takia, every page is so beautifully shot. Thank yes. you. And you're the photographer. Yes. I mean, uh, every time I would turn the page, I'm not kidding, I would gasp at the beauty of it. Thank you. Because what did you want every page to represent? You were very intentional about what you wanted. I was. I wanted I wanted people to be able to see the landscape of dance itself, especially for little girls of color. So you have different ages, shapes, sizes, abilities, and skill levels, because not everyone steps into a ballet class for the first time and is ready for principal. It doesn't happen like that. Right. Uh, so you get to see that the buildup of the dancer in this book. And I really wanted any girl to be able to open up this book and be able to find herself in it mm. on one of those pages. You didn't just take pictures. You had conversations with a lot of Absolutely. these folks, right? Mm -hmm. What did you learn from the ballerinas, from the dancers? So I learned a lot, actually. I, I always jokingly tell people now, when I started this whole project, I knew nothing about ballet. But now I feel like I'm <laughs> working on a master's, maybe a PhD okay. in the area. Ballet mama. Just, yes, absolutely. Some of the things that they faced that were not my reality, but are realities for them every day. Things about, you know, how to pull my textured hair back into a proper ballet bun and the struggles associated with that. Or mm. if I want to wear a protective style, how do I do that in time for class and in a way that my dance teacher finds acceptable? Uh, 
maybe my, my hips are a little bit fuller, my chest is a little bit fuller, how do I make sure that I have the right leotard so I can make sure that I am in class and presenting properly? I've learned so much about how girls wow. feel in this space, especially mm. when they may be and often are the only one in those classes that look like them. Mm. There are so many great quotes in the book. One of them is from Grace Butler who says, we're often told dance like no one is watching, mm -hmm. which most of us do, but you say brown girls should dance, why? They should dance because they're not only doing it for themselves, but they're inspiring the next generation. If you see more of yourself in a space or more people who look like you in a space, there's never a barrier for you. You never know a time. This younger generation will never know a time when that was impossible. So don't right. dance like no one's watching. Dance like everyone's <laughs> Everybody right, watching. Right. Everyone. Charlie was three. How old is she now? She is 14 years old But now. you said as a parent, we want to do what for our kids? We you want said, to Charlie said, everything. I want to go to the moon. Yes, I I knew as soon as I held her in my hands on August 21st, 2009, she's that a Leo? It, she is a Leo, Ooh, a fire okay. too. Uh, that it didn't it didn't matter what she wanted to do. If she wanted to know how to, or she wanted to go to the moon, I was going to be looking for tickets to get her there. I, you know. Yeah. yeah. So something like this, with it being ballet, while it was foreign to me, I knew nothing. I'm not that girl. I'm, I'm wearing pink today. <laughs> not that girl. Yeah. But it was completely foreign to me. But it was something that she wanted to do. So I was going to make it happen. And that's what parents do. Now, we, we have works of art that's uh, beautifully captured and, and well-written that can help with the inclusivity. But what more needs to be done in this space? So many things. I will say that there have been great changes in the ballet world. There are more brands that are offering brown tights and brown shoes, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And there are more artistic directors that are looking at their companies and saying, it should be reflective of the communities where we perform. Uh, but there are still changes that need to be made across the world in the parts that are given to dancers of color and the opportunities as well. All yeah, right. I never even thought about the shoe color. Yes. Until right, Misty and the tights. Copeland, right. Yeah, Misty Copeland mentioned it to Yes, me. I never yes. thought about the difference in the shoe color. Absolutely. Yeah. What a difference that makes. Or the hair. Or the, or the hair. hips yes. and the body. Yes. yes. Yeah, all these little things that could be overwhelming. Absolutely. Bravo. Bravo. Absolutely. Yeah. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Well done. Because she's a Wallace school teacher, Yeah, that's right. I am. I'm not and in my class today. You taught us today. Thank so much. The Color of Dance is on sale wherever you buy your books. And we do thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow in your feed and Monday through Friday on your local CBS stations starting at 7 a.m. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's, what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.